This show is part of the RetroZap.com podcast network. And welcome everybody to a special episode of the Animaniacast. Look, you've seen all my old cartoons, right? About a trillion times. I wrestled with Walter Wolf, Sid the Squid, and Beanie the Brain Dead Bison. This Doug guy hears nothing. Yeah, but those were cartoons, and this is real life. Don't tell him. He might crack. And welcome once again to the Animaniacast. We're the only podcast out there that's dedicated to the animated series, Animaniacs. And today we are celebrating the 25th anniversary of Animaniacs. <laughs> and to commemorate this special occasion, we have two very important guests with us. But before we introduce them, allow me to introduce myself and my co-hosts. I am Joey, and joining me are my co-hosts, Nathan. I'm in the studio today. Yes, you are. You're right next to me for once. <laughs> yeah. You're usually in L.A. This is crazy seeing you in front of me. And across the country in Georgia, it's Kelly. Hello. And we are also excited to welcome back the creator of Animaniacs, Mr. Tom Ruger is back on our show. Spew! <laughs> Spew. <laughs> Tom, you've been on our show so many times, and I, I it's a special occasion. I, I think we should officially make Tom our honorary... Uh, fourth co-host. Yes. Or, yes, we'll introduce you every time, even when you're not here. Yeah, I say Tom couldn't make it here today. Be on vacation for most of the episodes. Yeah. yeah, but he's he's here in spirit. But joining us for the first time on the show is a writer, producer, an actor, and of course the voice of the crankiest squirrel in Burbank. It's Sherry Stoner. Yeah. Hello. <laughs> Hello, Sherry. Thank you so much, and thank you, Tom, for being on uh, today's show for such a, a, an eventful event. I don't know what to say. Yeah. This is exciting. It's spectacular, spectacular. <laughs> it is a spectacular, <laughs> spectacular. Well, Sherry and Tom, tell us, uh, it's 25th anniversary of the show Animaniacs, and what are, your, what are your, just your thoughts of the legacy? We're 25 years later, and people are still loving the show. Um, let's go and just I'd start with that question real real fast, I suppose. Uh, Tom, Sherry, who wants to who would like to talk about it first? Uh, it's worthwhile for Sherry to just mention the movie she just saw, because it's interesting that so many of the lines of dialogue from the show, whether it's "Hello, nurse," or uh, or "Spew," or a different, they they live on. These these uh, little uh, iconic lines are part of our culture. Uh, what was the movie you saw, Sherry? It was um, Tully with uh, Charlize Theron. And um, in it, um, her nanny says to her, what are we going to do tonight? And she says, same thing we do every night, try to take over the world. And then they laugh. <laughs> <laughs> there it was. Up in yeah. the plane I was. And there they were saying something like that. <laughs> Otherworldly. And it's impossible that it's 25 years. That's my theory on it. Because we can't be that old. I know, I know. And uh, I, I don't feel like uh, 25 years of... Of course, 
we started it. Uh, we we went on the air twenty five years ago. I, I think we kept making them for another five years. Uh, yeah, thereabouts. Certainly, you were doing Slappy's voice well into uh, the nineteen ninety nine type era. How's mm. that for a good quote? <laughs> <laughs> Going Slappy till deep into the century, I think. Uh, <laughs> Well, before we get into talk about Animaniacs, I think we should talk, Sherry, um, just about maybe your influences growing up. I mean, this is your first sh- uh, time on our show. Um, yeah. uh, who, what, I mean, what was your favorite cartoon growing up, and what were some of your biggest comedic influences uh, when you were growing up? Well, I mean, the, the stuff that I loved, of course, was Bugs Bunny. I, that's what um, I just adored. Uh, he made me laugh. And um, I was I watched, of course, Saturday morning cartoons and I got a lot of um, material for Slappy because I was glued to the TV so much as a kid. But um, the stuff that I really adored and that made me laugh was the Warner Brothers and um, and the Marx Brothers was something I discovered back in the day. This was the kind of thing you could do back then as a kid because they would show these things like on a Saturday afternoon and you had nothing else to do and you discovered them. And you felt like you were the only person in the world that knew about them, you know? And it was just like you were discovering them. I had never heard of them, and I just saw them one day, and it was pretty magical. Mm-hmm. So um, they were huge influences. And, of course, um, the old I Love Lucy show was huge for me. Um, so those three, I think, were the, the huge influences on, on my sense of humor. And then bad television, of course, informs a lot of what Slappy talks about. <laughs> yeah, I just remember. I don't know if Sherry remembers this, but Sherry uh, had, I think, uh, Wayne Katz introduced me to Sherry and said, "This girl's really funny. She works at the Groundlings, and uh, she's you know she's done uh, the Little Mermaid model. She's just really talented, and she's funny. And then uh, you meet her, and then you realize, oh my gosh, she she really is funny, genuinely funny." And so I remember we we were just starting Tiny Tunes and we hadn't and we were really discovering who the characters were. And I immediately thought, oh, gosh, we got to give her a Babs Bunny cartoon to do. And so Sherry went home and we said, team her up with uh, Taz, uh, uh, Dizzy. Yeah. And uh, so I, I just vividly remember it was a Sunday afternoon. I don't know if Sherry remembers that. I do. And and she, she called up and started asking questions about how do you want it to look and what, what structure and and she kind of read through where she was in her outline and and it was really great and I, I I just remember we talked for probably an hour didn't we we went over it for quite a long time and she uh, she turned in this script I think it was called Debutante Devil that's it and it was just great hilarious because you see. Unlike so many of the other people, we had great writers, but Sherry had never written an, an animated script before, or, or a script, <laughs> and she didn't know what you could or couldn't do, so she did what she thought was right, and her instincts were so funny that they kind of blew everything else out of the water. So we sent the script over to Stephen, and he flipped and said, oh yeah, we want this, this is what we want, we want more like this, and... Uh, Thus began Sherry Stoner's uh, career in cartoon uh, cartoons. Yeah. That's it. And- it's like totally time for your voice class, 
like talking with these dirty pebbles in your mouth. You can for sure lose that bogus accent. Now repeat after me, okay? The walls in the mall are totally, totally tall. Again? One more time. The walls in the mall are tiddly, tiddly tall. For sure. For sure. He's got it. So I was home uh, visiting my mom uh, a weekend or two ago back in New Jersey. And I see, and I promise you'll get this someday, Sherry. I promise. It's this beautiful cell from Debutante Devil. And I tried to take it off the wall. My mother said, you leave that where it is. <laughs> Aww, <Mom. Yeah>. so, <laughs> well, uh, Sherry, could you go more into depth about your background before Tiny Toons even? Like, so the improv and... Yeah, yeah as I Tom was, was an actress. I was an mm-hmm. actress and um, I did a lot of drama because I looked very young and this was an era when they liked to cast people who were older to play a lot of troubled teens. So I played a lot of um, teenage hookers and, you know, things like that. Yeah. And it was it was pretty ridiculous. So um, I did that. And I was also in Little House on the Prairie, which was my uh, sort of sweet role. Mm-hmm. The rest of them really were. They were just trashy, trashy roles. So and then I went and I took classes at the Groundlings. And that was really um, the first time I'd ever done comedy. And I met a lot of really great people there, and I learned a lot about comedy and um, love, love, love doing improv. It's like my favorite thing. And um, it was through that that I got introduced to Tom. As he said, uh, it was Wayne Katz introduced me to Tom and said, you know, I think she could write a cartoon. And I was, like, so excited. (laughs) So that was it. That's my background. I mean, here's the funny thing about, um, about my acting, about how I played these troubled teens, how slappy came about was um, John McCann was a friend of mine and my husband's for, for a long time. And so we used to hang out together a lot and he made fun of me having these um, teenage roles. And he said that my name was going to be eventually slappy stoner and that they were going to back the camera up further and further. So I looked younger and younger and that Stone would be killed in her underwear. <laughs> So then I turned that into Slappy, which I did at the Groundlings, and she was a sitcom star on something called That Darn Twin, and it was one of those things where, you know, they they didn't have enough money for split screens, so they would just, they would just have her, like, go off in, on one side and come in the other to talk to herself. <laughs> it's just ridiculous. So that, that's how Slappy was born. And somehow, Jerry, in the past few months, I've seen a clip of that bit. The slappy? Of, of the, the, with the, doing the twin bit from The Groundlings. Yeah, I think it was on um, a TV show called On the Television that jo- uh, George McGrath did. He interviewed Slappy and another old actor. It's like, I think it was Edna something. It was Nancy Ed- Slappy Roots. <laughs> the Roots of Slappy. Slappy Whiner, Slappy Whiner. Am I right? Yeah. Slappy Whiner. You had that wonderful success in the 50s. So famous on the television show. 
That Dawn twin. The twins. Everybody loved the twins. We did six episodes. You did that show with Patty Duke. No, I did that show with me. I was the star of that show. You're thinking of the uh, Patty Duke show. Patty Duke show? Edna St. Clair, when I say Patty Duke to you, what do you think? Well, I never worked with her personally, but I thought she was really good in that Miracle Worker movie. She's had a rough life. Patty Duke's a fighter. Yeah. Yeah. Twin shows. Sloppy Weiner, why don't they make twin shows anymore? Can they not find a set of twins with that certain special... Well, uh, actually, uh, Sparky, they usually only use one actress. I didn't know that. That's interesting. Edna St. Clair, did you know that? Yeah, I heard of that split screen thing they do. So you use the screen splitter on the twin show. No, no. See, on our show, we couldn't afford that kind of split screen thing. So uh, the writers would have to come up with different plot devices. Like uh, one week, the one twin would be on vacation. And next week, a twin would be locked in a closet. That, you know, kind of like that bad thing. Sure, clever. Uh, Kelly, do you have a question? Should we jump over to you? I'm just curious. I, I, I know that you did some modeling, I guess, for Ariel and Belle. How did that come about, and, and what was that like? Well, um, that came about through the Groundlings, and that was, like, at the same time that I was starting to do Tiny Tunes. They um, came to the Groundlings, um, Ron and John, and they, I think they came and, and they saw me and, and they were looking for a body model. They wanted to do that. They hadn't done that forever at Disney. And they were looking for somebody petite who was expressive. So they had me come in and audition and then that's what I did. And it was really fun. It was like, um, like maybe three days a month for like a year and a half mm. or something, about a year maybe. And I would go and they would send me uh, Jodie Foster's track. And they would send me, I think they sent me the storyboard and I had the script. So I had a rough idea of what they wanted her to do. And then I would get there and I had to wear leotard and tights. And they would videotape me just sort of flouncing about doing the movements that they wanted her to do. And mainly a lot of it was just for facial expressions or, or how she moved her hands, stuff like that. They were just looking to add little bits and pieces to what they would already normally create. Because they're amazing, you know, Glenn Keane. That's him calling now. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's amazing. So, yeah, that's what that was. I always cool. love seeing those the shots of you, Sherry, with Ariel, uh, you know, side by side. Because it really is, you see that, you're like, oh, my gosh, Sherry is Ariel. It's, it's the, the coolest thing. Uh, I can them. see Ariel in you now. And the mm -hmm. funny thing is I've, I've got a framed picture of Ariel on my wall because I'm just the biggest Disney fan, so love all the princesses. But, yeah, I can, I can see her facial expressions in you. Yeah, that was fun. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you are, you are not only a, a squirrel, but you're you're essentially a Disney princess as well. This is the, the weirdest, you know, <laughs> half and half I there know. is. <laughs> well, uh, let's go ahead and talk, I guess uh, – this is uh, for one of our question, uh, listener questions, I suppose, right here. Uh, this is from Emily, and Emily says, Hi, Sherry. First of all, I want to say that I love your performance as Slappy Squirrel. She is one of my favorite characters from Animaniacs. 
And my question to you is, how did you get that role on the show? Well, when we were <laughs> when we were developing the show, um, I think Tom encouraged me to, to to pursue something like that to a squirrel, and you know this old old squirrel who'd been in showbiz forever. And then when we went to pitch the characters to Stephen, do you remember this, Tom? Oh. I, you know, we went around the room and we all pitched, you know, we all had little bits that we pitched and I pitched Slappy and he said, you should do the voice. <laughs> so, you know, I got the job. <laughs> you know, uh, she said she's this, uh, you know, octogenarian squirrel living in the tree in Burbank. And but then she she delivered some of her sar- sardonic lines. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, she had the room laughing and well he made a good executive decision (laughs) (laughs) i think i heard uh, somewhere i don't know if it was just through conversations with you tom or maybe just on a special someplace but that he okayed slappy as long as sherry voiced uh her is that it is that correct at that moment well hope that that he maintains that uh, attitude uh going into the future yeah (laughs) <laughs> we we all hope and pray that is the case. <laughs> yes, that was the same. Was that the same day that uh, that is that the the kids came in the room, Sherry? You know, I don't remember uh, because that was it was this pitch where we pitched, you know, uh, Yakko Wacko Dot, uh, uh, you know, Pinky in the Brain, and oh yeah, and then uh, Mindy and Buttons were were out. But then uh, his fam- Stephen's family came in, and the little kid walked up to Mindy and said, I like Mindy. You know? Yeah. So Mindy was back. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going at, Slappy? To the store to get some buttermilk. Steve. Hey, they make it. Somebody's got to drink it. I have so many questions for you, Sherry. Oh, boy. In my hand. <laughs> 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 um, so do you have any uh, memories of working with uh, Nate Ruger as your little nephew? He was so cute. He was just like you could pinch him. I wanted to pinch him. No. <laughs> and I remember, I just remember um, Tom working with him and giving him like coaxing him along because he was a little shy, you know, and unsure. And then Tom would say, no, no, Nate, do it like you did in the car or whatever like that. And do that. da, 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 da. And then he'd do it, and he was a little shy. But then, like, after a few minutes, he'd get loosened up, and he'd be really into it. And he was just so sweet. Just the sweetest little kid. Did you did you guys record at the same time, or were they separate? Or how did that usually go? Yeah, we did it at the same time. Tom was really great about that. He would get, and Andrea was great about that, too. She would get, you guys would get the whole cast of the cartoon in the same room together, so that you were you know, bouncing off each other. It was amazing. Yeah, that really, like, especially in that who's on stage kind of thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the the timing on it is so perfect. But. Wait, let's try this again. Do you see the band on stage? No, I don't see the band. That's a different group entirely. 
on stage, Skippy. Look, see the band? No, I don't. Get rid of those John Lennon glasses and look. There, there's the band. No, that's not the band. The band is performing later on. Who's on stage? You tell me. Who? The name of the group on stage. Who? The name of the group. Who? The group on stage. Who? The band. No, the band is performing later. Right now, we're listening to who? That's what I want to know. Yeah, that that was uh, yeah that that was a nice uh, recording. And recording, uh, you know, you get a lot of different takes, and and I just remember we kept it really tight in the editing process, and I think I'd like to go back and edit that again. Because <laughs> <laughs> Skippy says "who" a thousand times, and I want just at some point I just want to just I want to I'm like Slappy, I want to I want to nail Skippy. Will you stop saying "who." Skippy, at one point, uh, we had to, we had a, he had to cry for Bumby, right? Uh, Bumby's mom, which Sherry wrote absolutely uh, the best of Slappy Squirrel, in my opinion. She also wrote some great uh, Warners, some great Pinky and the Brains. But uh, the Slappies really were her bailiwick. She was, uh, you know, in complete charge. So Bumby, uh, of course, uh, in Bumby's mom, uh, Skippy is traumatized by the screening of Bumby, and uh, Slappy has to uh, calm him down by taking him, I think, to Arizona. Where did, where did she I live? I think it was Arizona. Yeah, I think so. To see Vina Walleen. Yes. <laughs> what was her name? Vina Walleen. <laughs> Fabulous name. And uh, so... So, uh, and it's a, just a, I think it's an Animaniac classic. That That's right up there among the very, very best cartoons ever. You must be careful on the meadow. There's no cover here from the hunters. I will, Mommy. <laughs> mommy, Mommy, where are you? Bumby's mommy. Calm down, kiddo. It's just a movie. She's not really dead. She's dead. Mommy's an orphan. So later, when uh, Skippy uh, in soccer coach Slappy, uh, Slappy has shown up to uh, be the coach of the of the losing school team, and Skippy's playing the goalie, and. Well, he ultimately plays the goal, but he's getting hit in the head with the ball all the time. And he's getting whacked and just wailing. Wah! So they real Slappy comes up with a great idea. Let's put him as the goalie because no matter where the ball goes, it always hits him in the head. <laughs> they win the tournament, uh, but Skippy's crying all the time. <laughs> Night before that recording, oh, he was like, please don't make me cry the entire recording. <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. I said, Skippy, it's, it's, the show must go on. Come on, carry on. <laughs> <laughs> now, let's, let's track back to that Bumby's mom right there. Is, what was the influence for Bumby's mom? Well, Bambi. 
Oh, okay. Did that you? Makes more well, sense. did you, I guess it should be more specific. <laughs> did you have a, a a similar experience as a kid to watching Bambi? Well, sure. I mean, I I didn't have that extreme reaction, but you know, after seeing it, I never wanted to see it again. <laughs> it was it was a trip through hell because you know, <laughs> it's mother. It's awful. I mean, isn't it? Yeah. You know, it's just, it's so, I mean, it's a beautiful That's film, don't get me wrong, but I, you know, at the time, I never wanted to see that thing again. I thought it was just torture. It's like old yeller or just no. Yeah, it makes you forget about Thumper and the skunk. It's like, oh, they're so cute and adorable. But by the end of it, you're just wrung out. You, exactly. yeah. That's true. Yeah. The, the movie is in two halves, isn't it? You have the happy half, and then the mom gets shot, and then the rest of it is like, oh, they're, now they're adolescents, and, but nobody really cares about that part. That's, that's, you don't put that stuff on the merchandise. No. <laughs> yeah. Did Thumper live to the end? Yeah, <laughs> I think so. Taken out in the forest. Mother? <laughs> <laughs> they uh, all die. He dies in Bumby Two. Bambi Two. <laughs> Does he really? No. Oh, okay. There was a Bam- the Bambi Two. I wanted to make sure. <laughs> you never know these days. I know. Could have. No. He's really? he's doing quite well. He's uh, out there in. Uh, Didn't Pacoima. you do the voice of the rabbit in the Bumby's butt? They call me uh, Bumper. Bum- and I bumped my butt or mm-hmm. something. They call me Bumper. <laughs> his biography said he bumped his butt because he ate too much sugar. It's sad, really. Okay, Mr. Gene Shallot. Yep, that's you. <laughs> uh, uh, Kelly, let's go back to you. Do you have a question? All right. Um, what was going on with your credits in the Hip Hip Po cartoon Noah's Lark? Sherry, you're listed as Boom Boom Stoner, and Tom as Dr. Plotz Ruger. Well, I think, um, if I remember, correct me if I'm wrong, Tom, but I thought that it's something to do with Nick Hollander, right? All I can think of is that it has to do with Nick Hollander. Is Nick Hollander among the credits as well, I believe? See, I remember there there were times, not many, but there were times where we were up against it with with scripts, as I recall, and we kind of... Not that we, I don't want to say we hacked it out. That's not exactly the right word. But we just went joke, joke. You know what I mean? It was like we just had to do it, you know? And so I think that that was one. And also the an earlier one was when the worst was one Nick and I did. And I think it was, I can't remember what we call ourselves in that. It was when Buster tells a joke that dies. And it's literally like a, a, a clown. And then it dies in the hospital. I mean, it was just... It, I, I don't know. I, I'm sure if I would die a thousand deaths myself if I saw it again. But that was like, I think we came up with names for that one, too. So I, I think, think that, that was Henny Youngman Day, uh, Tiny Tunes. That's right. Yeah. But it also had that had a really funny cartoon where Babs uh, basically meets Robin Williams. Oh, yeah. And yeah, that that you wrote. And uh, I don't think we forced you to go by your pseudonym of Boom Boom or whatever. <laughs> But my pseudonym is Hack McCutcheon, so I like. Um, so yeah, what, what was the what was the name of the cartoon that you're talking about? Noah's Lark. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was the one cartoon from uh, again Sherry and and Nick and I. I think we did have to sort of kind of hack away at that one, get it out quick, and um, 
That's where Richard Lewis yes. is Noah. And that's the only time any comedian, and I don't know why, but he complained. He said, it's one thing to do my caricature. It's one thing to like, kind of show me and maybe do my voice. It's a third thing to actually do my material. Okay, possums, check. Bunnies. Buster and Babs Bunny, no relation. Let's hope not, it's a children's show. Bunnies, check. Wolverines. For heaven's sakes, let's not forget the always cheerful Wolverines, the Lon Chaney Juniors of the Animal Kingdom. Check. Lab mice. Check. check. <laughs> These patios are killing me, brain. I think I prefer Lehigh's. Who am I to judge? So, so <laughs> back away, please. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, it was no, it's funny. yeah, you're you're right, Tom. It, it looks like it, instead of Nicholas Hollander, it's Shecky Hollander. <laughs> Greg yeah. Reina kept his name the same, though. <laughs> He's a nobleman. <laughs> uh, I'd like to talk about another character, uh, one that you created, and this is Mr. Skullhead. Uh, tell us, how did Mr. Skullhead come about, and... I guess a little about the good idea, bad idea segments, perhaps, how those were developed and stuff like that. Well, Mr. Skullhead was a, a little doodle character I did. And I used to fill these little books up with with his misadventures, right, Tom? And, and um, sort of like the alter ego where bad things keep happening to him. You know, you sort of work out your own mental illness by making this Skullhead character, or I did. Not you, I did. But um, so I think I showed them to Tom one day, as I recall. And then, and Tom, it was Tom's idea, I think, to to turn him into the skull on Elmira's bow, which was just amazing. So then, that's how that came about. And that was on uh, "Take Elmira, Please," and that is, I just remember that being just one of the highlights of Tiny Tunes at the time, just being such a funny, funny episode. Elmira took that little bone that held her ribbon together that little uh, skull and then hold it up held it up to the camera and started singing the song yeah what can you sing the song sure i think this will be a highlight of the entire episode of animaniacast it's, like, it's the it's mr. The mr skullhead show starring him he's mr skullhead something like in a show that's his skullhead something like that <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps going right yeah it's the mr skullhead show uh, I think they could sing it. Could you sing it? Uh, you guys sing it? I I believe the words <clears throat> are Here we go. It's the Mr. Skullhead show starring him Mr. Skullhead cuz it's his show. It's Mr. Skullhead. Yes. Right. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. That's very <laughs> very very pretty. Um <laughs> that um, the Mr. Skullhead segments in Animaniacs were a good idea, bad idea. And those, those shorts, uh, it's my understanding, uh, my recollection, that they sprang from the mutual 
brain boiling of both Sherry Stoner and her husband, uh, Mark Sweeney. Yep. And, but we call him Sweeney. I don't know why, but we do. And uh, so uh, the, the Mr. Skullhead stuff, uh, and of course he's narrated, uh, those cartoons are narrated by, uh, who? now who narrates those? Tom Bodette. Mm-hmm. Tom Bodette. Now, Sweeney also was a big Tom Bodette fan, and he lent me all the Tom Bodette uh, uh, tapes to, to listen to while driving to work. He, Tom Bodette's a, an author. And so everybody fell in love with Tom Bodette. We realized, well, we need him to do Mr. Skullhead narration. Good idea, bad idea. And uh, we want him to narrate the movie that we ultimately made. So anyway, Sweeney played a big role. Sweeney also wrote some of the very best Wheels of Morality, including, as I've said before, my favorite. uh, If you have nothing nice to say, you're probably at the ice capades. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. But Sweeney, uh, Sweeney was uh, definitely in the beginning of Animaniacs a, a big influence on uh, some of those uh, wonderful short segments and anything with Tom Baudet. Yep. He would make this list. He would write a bunch of them. They were just words on paper, you know, no visual or anything. And he just had this big list, and Tom would read it. And I would hear him in the next room always. The best audience, Tom Ruger. He'd be in the office next to me, and I could just, you'd wait, you'd wait, and then he'd really this big laugh and you knew it was really fun to hear and then the moment would go by and then another big laugh so it's great (laughs) it's time for another good idea bad idea good idea whistling while you work bad idea whistling while you eat Sweeney uh, is this uh, aficionado of comedy and and aficionado of really funny people. And as Sherry mentioned, he had his own theater called uh, the Acme. What was it called? The Acme Theater? Acme Comedy Theater. And so it was, uh, you know, a rival of the Groundlings and and other improv groups. And that is where uh, Sweeney and, and Sherry discovered uh, John McCann and Paul Rugg, among other people. Uh, but Sherry, uh, when when Animaniacs was given the green light, Sherry, who had developed the show, uh, we, we had developed it side by side, and we had uh, you know come up with a lot of bits. But we still, uh, I think we had set the bar pretty high for ourselves. We knew we needed really funny people to to execute and. Uh, once the green light came, Sherry said, I know two people we need to use. And so, Sherry, uh, tell, tell us a little bit about those guys and how they came about. Well, yeah, I mean, they were both, um, we'd known them, my husband and I known them for some time, like I mentioned. And um, Paul Rugg and John McCann, they were in shows at the Acme Comedy Theater and just killing it, you know, just really friggin' funny. And um, so... You know, I had come through the groundlings, and I had never written before. So my theory was funny people can sort of probably, hopefully, learn how to do it on the job. Because writing a skit isn't that different from writing 
um, a cartoon. They're, they're similar, right? So um, Tom agreed to give them a shot. And boy, let me think. I know that Dracula was John McCann's first one. And what was Paul Ruggs? It was uh, the Dracula and Roll Over Beethoven, Sherry. Yep, I just remember that. And I remember, I'll never forget this. You you read them and you, uh, you said that they could um, come on staff. And I... I did a victory lap of happiness. Not like a victory lap, like like we were really on to something, you know, that we were gonna be all right in the comedy department. And I right. like been dancing all the way around the eleventh floor, you know, looking like an idiot, but I just couldn't contain it. I, I was so excited because I knew those two guys were really friggin' funny. <laughs> and they are and they were, and uh I'd say uh without them the show would be very different. It would be very different. Without you and them and Peter, uh, as far as the stories and the, the comedy and all those stories, and Deanna. Of course. Uh, I mean, Peter and, and Deanna came through the groundling. So the, the, the great thing was that Tom didn't, he wasn't afraid to give newcomers a shot, um, which is, you know, rare, actually. It's actually really rare because people like to go with the safe choice, you know, and a lot of times you don't always get the freshest, but you can. So... But he gave people a shot, and I think we got really lucky. Well, uh, th they were up to it, and I think we had we had done pretty well with Tiny Tunes. But I think you and I both realized, with what we had developed, we were setting the bar a little higher, and it was not going to be that easy a jump. So we 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 needed some crazy new blood. You and someone else are invited to a dinner party this weekend at the Water Tower. Please wear fancy pants. RSVPP to wacko, yakko, or dot. Oh, no! Well? Ah! I thought I told you never to do that. Yeah, but you never told the writers. So then the Warners are right behind him. <laughs> <laughs> no, stop! Stop! I mean right behind him! <laughs> oh, yes, it's true! <laughs> I can ask a question from Plucky Duck. Oh, yes. We have one of our listeners who names himself yeah. Plucky Duck. I have a question from Plucky Duck. <laughs> this is incredible. I don't know how, but uh, is there one cartoon, this is to you, Sherry, uh, that you either wrote or produced in Animaniacs that you are most proud of? There's two. There's Bumby's Mom and Bubba Bo Bob Brain. Mm. Those are my Tell us a little bit about Boba Boba Brain because number one, the the most the perfect name yeah. for for the brain, it just it flows off the tongue so well, and of course that song, mm -hmm. uh, oh my gosh, it, it it's just so beautiful. So t please tell us a little bit about Boba Boba Brain, how that cartoon went. Oh and boy, um, what I remember about it, well, of course there was um, Billy Ray Cyrus at the time was was happening, and of course that was that was. That was what it was. So, uh, so you know, um, that's where the idea came from, because that damn song was on the radio constantly. Today's inside story is country megastar Willie Ray Cypress. Don't tell my head, my empty hollow head. You know I wouldn't understand. Yep, yep, yep. Yep, yep, yep. It must be inordinately taxing to be such a boob. You have no idea. And then, um, what song did Billy Ray Cyrus have? The Achy Breaky yeah, Heart. Achy Breaky Heart, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Terrible song. So, <laughs> that was the, 
that was the uh, inspiration for the song that that Brain sang. And um, I'm thinking that the, I don't know the idea maybe to put him on stilts. Of course, Peter had put him in that big suit. Peter and Tom had put him in that big suit. And of course, we were always looking for another visual that could be kind of funny like that. And we hit upon stilts. <laughs> so that was great. And I love that he kept, you know, ramming into the top of the doorway. That was fun to write. And I remember you, I would always look in at that time. We didn't really have Internet. That's right. We didn't have Internet. Wow. So I had to use a rhyming dictionary, the kind in a book. And I remember potentate finding that word and just being like, woo! <laughs> so you're on to something when you can put that in a song. So, um my songs are always like ridiculously bad and Tom always goes with them, you know, so he's <laughs> so great that way. Howdy, you all. Here's a little ditty I wrote. Hope you enjoy it, you all. I am a lab mouse. I escaped from my cage. Never had a job. Never earned minimum wage. He ain't half bad. He ain't half good either. But you will respect me, yes, once my plan is unfurled. You will call me your leader. I'll be king of the world. I, I remember writing that cartoon because it was late. I would I would stay late a lot of times because um, you don't want to leave. If you're on a roll, you don't want to leave. So it would be 9.30 sometimes before I left there. And I wrote that one. I remember, like, it just was like it kept pouring out of me, that one, the first draft. Mm. So it was great. A good one. It was fun. Hilarious, Hilarious cartoon. You get lucky sometimes. Inspiration is kind. Yeah, I think Maurice LaMarche said on the DVD that that was like, for him at least personally, that was a turning point for the, the series where, you know, it, everything was really firing on all cylinders right when Bubba Boba Brain hit it was just like wow this show has gone to a different level right now so and it really is a fantastic uh, cartoon something that uh doesn't get mentioned that often sometimes it gets forgotten she also was a producer on uh on the series so she was uh being dragged into every aspect of it and you know sometimes unwillingly but uh <laughs> you know she we, we We'd get stuff piled up. I said, Sherry, look at this board. And, uh, and, and Stephen liked Sherry, too. So sometimes when it was a difficult board, it was like, oh, this one's not going to go over well. Let's give it to Sherry. Stephen likes her. <laughs> and so, oh, hi, Stephen. Yeah, you got any notes? And, uh, you know, sometimes it would go better with Sherry. Going <laughs> Well, the weird thing about him was one weird thing is because I would work late because a lot of times I'm I'm not I'm a little bit of a night owl, so I would get in maybe ten o'clock in the morning, something like that. So and my juices would start flowing, so I'd be there maybe till nine thirty or something. So a lot of times I was it was me and some artists left on this eleventh floor, and my phone would ring like sometimes at eight thirty at night, and it would be Stephen calling directly to give notes on something. Do you remember this? Yes. Well, he would. He would. And he, so, whoever he could get, I got notes. Yeah. yeah. It was really disconcerting. I mean, it was great, but it was like, oh, you know, sometimes there weren't even my episodes. It was just like, you'd have to scramble. Yeah. <laughs> and again, no internet. Did I mention that? No internet. We wrote without internet. <laughs> I can't imagine. Uh, cheese and stuff, too. Remember cheese and stuff? You don't yeah. Remember? 
Yes, that's what you wrote. Yeah, we were at this meeting, Sherry and I were there, and, you know, where he's telling us a million things all at once, you know, about 10 different episodes, and I'm getting it all down, and I'm getting it all down, and I'm writing it down, and and so what comes out of it is this is a bunch of scribble that's all the words are written on top of each other, and the only words that are legible are cheese and stuff, which <laughs> we don't even know what that episode was. <laughs> what was it like to, to be in meetings with Stephen? Well, we would go over to Amblin um, pretty frequently. It was more we would go over there, the, a group of us, and um, to get notes. And um, and we would meet in a, a really nice little conference room, not little conference room, and a nice big conference room. And he would come in, and I, as I recall, generally he was pretty chipper. He was pretty happy to see us. I mean, I think that he was enjoying what we were doing. And... Um, so it was always a lot of fun. Um, I mean, it was, you know, you're nervous, but, but in the end, I think it was um, a lot of fun and, uh, you know, certainly like a weird one of a kind experience to be over at Amblin in this room talking to this, this fella who's an icon and is kind of like Mickey Mouse, right? I mean, he's, he's, yeah, you know, so, uh, but he had a lot of good input and very specific stuff about, camera angles a lot of really wanted cinematic interesting camera angles which was a great thing to learn and tom has um has really turned that into an art form i think and i've not seen it anywhere else where camera angles are are a vital part of the written script it's almost like you're directing it as you're writing it it's not just words on a page right tom yeah, and I think he did uh, sort of, he, he gave us some good tips along the way that we would then, you know, consistently write in uh, to the scripts. And we, we did call our shots a lot, especially when it was important to have a close-up on Slappy reacting. But he also, one of the things I distinctly remember uh, is we would have these pans, you know, these long pan, and maybe there'd be a joke along the way, like, long pan, isn't it? You know, there'd be some little sign sticking up. And, uh, and it would show you the, the terrain. The pan would be like this long, thin panel on the storyboard that would be something, you know, long stretched panel. And Stephen just took the page and just drew a big box around the whole thing. I said, I don't want to pan. I don't want to spend time panning because it takes time. Just give me the entire master shot. Don't move the camera. Just one quick setup and you can be on it for two or three seconds and it reads rather than spending seven to ten seconds doing a pan. So he knew, well, he knows stuff, but uh, <laughs> he, he knew to, to get the story told, uh, be efficient and uh, make it quick. Uh, Sherry, that that sounds like you have very, you know, had a very positive relationship with with Steven Spielberg. Did that help translate then to movies that you worked on, like uh, Casper with Deanna Oliver? Well, sure. He, um, Deanna had written Grandma's Dead for the Elmira show, where it was a big misunderstanding where everyone in town thought Elmira's grandma was dead, but it was her pet, I think, or something. So it was kind of this funny, funny, a little bit morbid cartoon. And um, I think that sort of inspired him to put me and Deanna together to come up with a pitch for Casper. 
That's my theory anyway, and I'm sticking to it. (laughs) (laughs) So we just huddled together and came up with a pitch. And, of course, we had no idea what the hell we were doing. So we... I remember we would go to her house after work and we'd work late into the night and she had this little bungalow house in Sherman Oaks. And we put up, because Tom used to do this, put up note cards, like, you know, giving ideas for, so we had, I mean, literally probably 150, 200 note cards. And we tracked the movie from in the morning to late at night. Like everything the characters were doing, we were insane. We had no idea what we were doing. (laughs) We, we pitched him this long, weird, uh, not weird, but this long kind of rambling idea for the movie. But what he, I think what he liked was the idea of the cat's relationship to the father and therapist to the dead. There was stuff in there that he responded to. So uh, we got a shot and, and boy, it was, it was great and a lot of fun and a big learning experience. <laughs> boy, <laughs> We had a stack of cards like this big. It's absurd. No ghost there. Check over here. Oh, no, there's no ghost in there. We can even check over here. There. See? Pleasure to meet you, sir. And is it true that you uh, you and Deanna actually wrote what would unfortunately never be, but a, a sequel to Roger Rabbit? Is this is this true? Yes, it is true. Could you tell me? I'm a huge Roger Rabbit fan. Could you tell me just a little bit of what where that movie would have gone? Because I've always always wanted a sequel, and when I saw that you know online that you and Deanna had written it, I was like, oh. What could have been? I wanted to see that movie. It was um, it was a prequel, Ooh. and it was about how Roger Rabbit, because um, Bob Hoskins wasn't going to be in it, so it was a prequel about how Roger Rabbit and his human brother came to Hollywood and got discovered. <laughs> so, so that was so Roger Rabbit was raised with humans, and um, it was sort of um, reminiscent of uh, remember in um, the Jerk. Yes, raised. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. it was reminiscent of that, and so he was he was raised by humans. I had no idea that he was a tune, and you know they had to sit him down and tell him that he wasn't really, you know, he was adopted, and that all this. And he, you know, started sobbing, and him and his brother Hutch, who was a hoofer, who was a dancer, you know, went to Hollywood to make it big, and so I think Hutch got into a movie musical, and Roger ended up getting in cartoons. That that was the gist. So this movie, that, just from right there, that sounds like this movie could still this should still happen yeah. in my opinion. Sure, I want this movie <laughs> to happen. I think I think let's all write letters to Amblin Entertainment yeah, right it. now. Okay, I don't think creatively. Uh, it, it, creatively, it wasn't the reason. It wasn't about creative that it didn't happen. Right. No. I mean, I don't. I don't believe so. Of course, you know, you never know one hundred percent the truth. But what we were told was that they couldn't make a deal between Amblin and Disney mm. to get to get it all together, right? So that's why, which probably is somewhat true because you haven't seen one come out, right? Right. No. I know. Go see it. We just so have to wait 
for Disney to buy Amblin. I'm sure that will happen eventually, right? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, that seems to be a problem with uh, with Roger Rabbit in general is that you never see any merchandise for him. You never mm-hmm. really see much of any Roger Rabbit because it's you know you look at the bottom of his of his feet under the bottom of the toys and everything, and it says Disney Disney slash Amblin. Mm-hmm. When you ever have oh. two big companies like that. Uh, owning half of something, it's you're never going to get anything done. Mm-hmm. <laughs> now, before that, uh, back at Tiny Toons era, I think Sherry, you went to England, right? And what did you write there? A feature film? Did you not? Oh, it was Flint Dilly and I did some pre work on um, We're Back. Oh yeah, star movie. But that our take on that ended up not on screen. We were rewriting a, a take for them, and then they ended up. Um, I think John Patrick Shanley, I think of all people, the playwright, ended up writing the one that is actually on screen. Oh. So. How about Feifel? Did you do something with Feifel? I did no Feifel. Oh. I dated Feifel briefly. What? <laughs> I dated him. It was a May-December romance. Oh, my gosh. Hey, ladies and gentlemen, I think it's uh, this is a Wait, crazy slap. thing. Slappy oh, Squirrel dude. has walked in the door and... Uh-huh. I think it's. I think it is only fair that we ask Slappy uh, some questions. If Slappy, if you don't mind, uh, I do. But go ahead anyway. <laughs> well, um, Slappy, I'm. I'm so, so so nervous. I do, we don't usually have you know celebrities of your caliber on the podcast. I, I have to ask you. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts about kids today? The millennial generation stuff like that. What do you think about kids today? What do I think of them? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, as a species, you know, they're they're delicious. <laughs> no, um, no, really, they're, they're, they're doing their best with what they've got. Let's face it, you know, uh, we failed when we raised them. We just bombed because clearly they got nothing happening. And, um, you know, as far as Skippy goes, he's one of them. They're millennials now. And um, he sits on the couch. Yeah. Is, is, so is he still at your place then, Skippy? Or what? Where is he? Uh... Yes. He's still in my house. He lives in the basement of the tree. And, um, <laughs> he's got a podcast himself. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. He does a little podcast down there. And he writes some kind of horror movies. I don't know what the hell that's about, but he writes those as well. <laughs> hey there, everybody. Uh, so I reached out to somebody that might know a little bit more about this uh, podcast Slappy's talking about, reached out to friend of the show, Nate Ruger, and asked him if he knew anything about this podcast that Skippy Squirrel is apparently a part of, and it just so happens that Nate Ruger did have a clip of it, so this is exciting. This is an exclusive clip of Skippy Squirrel's podcast that he's currently working on. Hope you enjoy the clip, and thank you, Nate. <laughs> Welcome to the Secret Squirrel Podcast, the number one podcast for all you horror nuts. For tonight's episode, Aunt Sloppy, I'm trying to record a podcast. Pardon the interruption, ladies and germs. For tonight's episode. Yeah, 
and Slappy, stop! You mentioned dating Feifel, uh briefly. Briefly, uh, do you have any other? Uh, I mean, we might as well do a you know kiss and tell right now yeah, on podcast. Any other uh, romantic uh, pursuits of the past? And well, you know, I mean, you you no doubt heard about my thing with SpongeBob. Oh. <laughs> that, was, <laughs> no. that was all over the news, and it, you know, he left me. He left me for another sponge, and I was devastated. You know, <laughs> so it's not nice when when the, the sponge leaves you. He has oh. a lot of cleanup. <laughs> but, yeah, he was very tidy. That SpongeBob, if you know what I mean. He knew his way around the squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he was very good with his devil mind. <laughs> Leaving that right there. All right. Yeah. And of course, you know, I went through the cast of Adventure Time. <laughs> <laughs> I blew past them. I went right through. They did every single one of them. But we're still friends. They had that rat oh. party in my tree. Oh, <laughs> that's nice. Yeah. They're good kids. <laughs> okay. Kelly, do you have a question for Slappy? Yeah. Um, Slappy, what was it like working with Tom Ruger? Well, he's, you know, he's a pip. He's got a bit of an attitude, but you know that's all right. He's he's a he's a very he's sort of what you call there one of them creative types. Never sits still, pacing back and forth. He was always with cards in his hand, taping them to the wall. Big ideas he had. He was something else. <laughs> Half the time I didn't know what the hell he was talking about in that there booth. He'd just be pulling, tugging at his hair, saying, "Make it better, make it better." And I just you know did it exactly the same, and finally he'd settle on something and get. It. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he's a yeah. Back then, he used to smoke like a chimney. He was, oh, yeah. but you know, he stopped that. He's much healthier now, and he's you know, he's doing very well for himself. Excellent. <laughs> One quick question here for you, Sloppy. Uh, any any word from Walter Wolf? I mean, your your big. I would say probably your biggest nemesis uh, over the years. Yeah, Walter Wolf. He's kind of he's a recluse now. No one has seen him in about thirty. Well, twenty two years. <laughs> He, he went off into the woods somewhere in Topanga Canyon, and I think he lives in a hut. The last I yeah. heard of him, he lives in a about, hut in Topanga Canyon. How about Beanie, Beanie the Brain Dead Bison? Uh, any news? Oh, yeah, sure. He uh, he works at in and out They have a good medical plan, I hear. Yeah. Yeah. I think he might be a manager. I'm not sure. <laughs> well, uh, Slappy, thank you so much for being on the show. It really, we really do appreciate you you taking the time. Oh, yo, you're more than welcome. Look at you two sitting there behind your microphones, <laughs> acting like you know what you're talking about. You don't know. We have no well, idea. Slappy, you got it. what's what's coming up for you? Anything? Any big plans? You got? Uh, uh, what are do you doing? Uh, dinner. I'm gonna go over. I'm gonna go over to the, the the IHOP and have some flapjacks. You know, get over there early for the you know for the special. And um, other than that, I these days I like to sit at the sit and stare at the phone waiting for it to ring because nobody's calling me. Nobody. <laughs> I just sit here. So Joey, Joey and crew, get the word out. Slappy needs some phone calls. We'll get, uh, that, you know. we'll get that going. Yeah. We need we need to see Slappy 
back on television, I yeah, think. Yeah, in 2020, right? Just in 2020. Know. Slappy in 2020. Let's make the shirts now. <laughs> yeah, that sounds tasty. <laughs> <laughs> now that's comedy. Well, Sherry, uh, thank you so much, and Tom, for uh, being on the show uh, once again, Tom. Uh, Sherry, before we, we wrap things up, uh, tell us, what do you have in the in the works right now? What's going on with uh, your professional life? Well, right now I'm story editing, uh, head writing the Curious George show, which is delightful. It really is. It's a very sweet, fun show, and I'm enjoying it a lot. Fantastic. I always loved Curious George. Like even just growing up, it was always the stop motion kind of Curious George. Oh, and now yeah. and now tuning in and seeing uh, those and, and just my nieces just love <laughs> seeing those cartoons to this day. It's fantastic. He's a good little monkey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is, there, is there anything else, Tom, anything else you want to promote or anything like that? Oh, I'll, I'll be you'll be able to see me uh, at the uh, parking lot of Albertsons at the uh, Las Virgenes and the 101. I'll be collecting uh, the, the shopping carts uh, for tips. So if you uh, don't want your car dented, just stop by and say hi. All right. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get to some contact information. Let's start with Kelly. Where can people get in contact with you if, like, like, if they'd like to say hi? They can message me on Twitter at Yoda Princess, Y-O-D-A-P-R-N-C-S-S, or email me, Kelly, at BigShinyRobot.com. And Nathan, what about you? I am on Twitter, Joey, uh, J-A-N-G-O-F-T, Jango-F-T, that's me! <laughs> okay, and as for the Animaniacast, we are on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, and of course you can check us out over at Animaniacast.com, where you can see all of our previous episodes and interviews many of which include Tom Ruger and some great auditions from the past where you get to hear like Wacko as Rob Paulson and all those crazy things. So tune on in Animaniacast.com and of course you can subscribe to us on your favorite podcast player. Uh, Sherry, uh, if people want to say hi to you online, where where'd you like them to go? <laughs> oh, that's a loaded question. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> on Facebook. That's it. All right. And Tom, what about you? Uh, you can find me on Facebook. I actually have uh, an Instagram and Twitter account as well. And uh, so if you really need to reach me, it can happen. But basically, <laughs> send all messages to Kelly. I think that's the thing to do. She'll, important things, she'll move through the process. Okay, very good. Oh, Kelly, you become Tom Ruger's uh, you know, official secretary now. So congratulations. <laughs> You have to send all messages to Atlanta first and then back over to California. Yeah, put it through the system. <laughs> yeah, it's a bureaucracy. We have to work with it. It's okay. Well, thank you once again, uh, Sherry and Tom, once again for this uh, really fantastic uh, event. This is the 25th anniversary of Animaniacs. And really just from on behalf of us, uh, not only as the podcast hosts, but really just fans of the show, Thank you so much for just helping create a show that has lived on and has meant so much to so many people over the years. It really does uh, mean a lot. And uh, thank you so much for being on the show. Hey, before Sherry goes, can you tell us Doc's full name? Angelina Contessa Louisa Francesca Banana Fanafo Fesca III. (laughs) That's it. 
Sherry's uh, crazy creation. I do know that. Uh-huh. <laughs> Remember, there was a book that we were making of everything Animaniacs. We were just putting everything into it, and that was just some crazy item. That uh, wow, what a great name! <laughs> well, well, that'll do it for today's episode. So, on behalf of Nathan Kelly. Tom and Sherry, this is Joey saying good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Good night, nurse. Go away. (laughs) This podcast is not endorsed by Warner Brothers or Amblin Entertainment and is intended for entertainment and information purposes only. Animaniacs, the Warner Brothers logo, all names, pictures, and sounds of the Animaniacs characters or any other Animaniacs-related items are registered trademarks and or copyrights of Warner Brothers, Amblin Entertainment, or their respective trademark and copyright holders. All original content of this podcast is the intellectual property of the Animaniacs unless otherwise indicated. Hi, this is Slappy Squirrel, and unfortunately, you're listening to the Animaniacast. Thank you.